When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to More Than Amused Podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and others on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Welcome back to More Than Amused Podcast. I'm Sadie. And I'm Stani. And we are so happy that you're here. Hope you're ready to learn more about women and the arts. Okay, so starting out, how are you, how are you doing today, Stan? I'm good. I'm feeling good. Doing better. Been sick for a little, but it's going well. And I don't know, just trying to finish up school. It's getting a little hectic right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> is it like midterm time yet, or is it past midterms it's at this point? Past midterms, and so we're in more of like the finals route already oh my yeah gosh. and then they announced that it's online for next year um year already too really so that's been kind of a bummer because i was like really holding out hope isn't it your last semester yeah next semester is my last oh that's so was like sucks. oh well <laughs> kind of the biggest bummer was we have this teacher who canceled his class completely so it's usually oh. like a required class for graduation. And because of quarantine, he just decided he didn't want to do it. So we're not doing it. <laughs> Interesting. I'm assuming that the school is no longer counting it and requiring it. No, they're making us repeat a different one. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm mm, I'm not thrilled about that. I'm actually trying to talk to them about just waiving it then because... That was my plan. So I don't know. It's been kind of an interesting time to see what's going on. I was really hoping it would be in person, but yeah. Oh well. Thing also, I have to take math because I put it off this long. So so maybe I won't graduate. (laughs) Have to take a math class. (laughs) I just didn't want to do it my first semester of college, and then I was like, oh, I have too much going on my second semester because I was getting married, and then my third one, I was just like, I don't want to, and now. Well, that that was me, but except my very last semester of college, I was taking biology, like 10-10. So that was the gen ed that I kept putting off. So I do not judge you. No, I get that. I did a summer semester to get rid of like all of my science credits this summer. So Mm. I didn't have to worry about them. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, other than that, I've been good. It hasn't been too bad. That's good. I casually have my dog sitting next to me and I am feeding in a bagel and it's very cute. But if you hear light growling while I'm talking, that's my little shih tzu just begging for some bread. Or it's (laughs) over on this end too. (laughs) Except his is more likely to be whining than growling. Okay, well, I'm going to just jump right in to what we're talking about today. So we are talking about... Maria Anna Mozart, which is, of course, the Mozart's older sister. So the reason why I chose this person is because it actually kind of got brought up to me. Somebody was just somebody I know kind of like mentioned like, oh, you know, one of the famous composers had a sister Mm -hmm. and kind of like, I wonder what happened there. And so I got curious and I wanted to do some research on my own. And when I started doing research, I was like, oh, there's probably not going to be enough to do a full podcast episode. Like, I didn't really think there would be. Mm -hmm. But the more I dived into her life, the more I found out about her, the more I was like, no, like, there's actually a lot here. But also, I think there's a lot to, like, discuss surrounding her life and who she was. And I think also, more importantly, what she could have been. Because looking at the different articles, a lot of the article titles about her were like the family's first prodigy or like the myth of Mozart's sister. So Hmm. it's interesting that it's like she was actually, I mean, she's older than Mozart by five years. She was the first one to get into music, get into piano playing and everything. 
this quote here that I'm going to just start with that I got from one of the articles was the story of Maria Anna Mozart, oldest sister of Wolfgang Mozart, illustrates how social expectations have limited success for women and girls. She was a musical prodigy, perhaps a better musician than her younger brother, but her career was cut short because at the time it was not considered acceptable for an adult woman to be a professional musician. Hmm. so exactly I'm definitely going to dive into that more but I just kind of wanted to set that precursor of like why you know I wanted to talk about her so to start out though just kind of with a very brief like state of the arts here so she was born in Austria in Salzburg on July 30th 1751 so definitely a long time ago so essentially what's going on First off, like with music right then, this is the classical period of music, which precedes the romantic period. And the more well-known composers of this time are Haydn, the beginning of Beethoven's career. And of course, her younger brother Mozart was a very key person in this classical era of music. And also like this classical period, it was during the Enlightenment, um, which the Enlightenment kind of created a middle class with which then kind of created more just amateur musicians mm-hmm. rather than people who were, you know, professionally doing it. And so because of that, that did just kind of by the default involve more women in that because, you know, it was more like a social thing. And at that time, women were, though, professional singers, but not really so much like professional keyboard players or pianists. But since they were kind of having doing more in like their amateur and like just social scenes, um, it kind of became a little bit more normal for women to be piano players and things like that so yeah so I think it's that kind of it just sets like the beginning of Mm -hmm. like women composers and like kind of setting that scene something that was interesting because I wanted to kind of know like the philosophies of that time period and my husband he's actually in grad school right now his focus is political theory but he reads a lot of like books about philosophy and things like that like for Christmas I got him like the complete works of Aristotle and he was giddy so cool just to summarize like (laughs) this man is a very trustworthy person when it comes to philosophies and things like that but anyways so yeah so I asked him about it because the classical period it definitely focused on like um, classicism and really put like Aristotle and ancient Greek culture and Roman culture like on that pedestal and kind of wanted Mm -hmm. to emulate that. So I asked him like what like Aristotle and thought about women. And he essentially said that like Aristotle just kind of believed that women were just deformed men. And, Mm -hmm. and a very common belief was that women were like in a distraction for educated people. So it was kind of like, I don't concern myself with women. I don't concern myself with marriage because I'm so smart and above that. Like a monk mentality, kind of? Yeah, kind of, where it was like, I don't distract myself with silly women. Now, of course, like that's Aristotle. And Aristotle was obviously long before this time period. But I think it's just worth noting because of the fact that like classicism and that it was so heavily influenced by Greece and Rome and so it's I think it's pretty fair to assume that you know the philosophers and the thinkers of that time were looking to Aristotle and that's what Aristotle and and such had to say about women yeah I've seen quotes before with Mm -hmm. Aristotle kind of talking about women and they're just really bad I googled really quick just to see and he literally says like women are unfinished men yep so wasn't super kind to women but like yeah so I I think that was just super interesting and I know that like Rousseau who I think was like a common philosopher at that time he also had a lot of things to say about women that just weren't weren't kind so Hmm. I feel like we should have talked about that in my ethics class too but yeah that's okay (laughs) it's interesting just because like obviously Aristotle I mean, I don't really know tons, but like, I mean, he's a great philosopher. We still talk about what he does, but he was also wrong in a lot of things, including his analysis of women. Nobody in history is perfect in their analysis of anything. So (laughs) exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, though. So like I said, there's just a very brief state of the arts of 
I think it's the beginning of women being more accepted in like the world of music. Like I said, there were professional women singers. Um, and mm-hmm. it, you know, since there's that middle class forming, just more people in general were, ha- you know, music just in general, I think was more accessible. And so, you know, women started getting to take advantage of that. Yeah. So here enters the Mozart family. Like I mentioned, she was born in 1751 in Salzburg, Austria. So she was older than her brother by five years. And those two were actually the only two of the seven children that their parents had to survive to adulthood. Gosh. So, yeah. And they, I think also like her, her mom and also her dad, like they get sick a lot. So I think that they all, this whole family just had health problems throughout I don't know, honestly, just their whole lives. And so I think that caused, you know, the early fatality of their children. And also Maria Anna and um, Wolfgang, they just get sick a lot throughout their life. So I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So her father, Leopold Mozart, so he was a professional musician and a composer. Um, I believe he was, he, he played the organ as well as the violin. So he already, you know, was that professional musician. And so by the time that Maria Anna was seven years old, she was taking harpsichord lessons from her father. Um, and so then, you know, when her brother was about three or four is when he started learning as well. But okay. she was the very first one and, you know, started doing really well with those lessons. And both of them, they learned really quickly. Three years after their first lesson, um, they performed for a prince in Munich. So really early on, I think, you know, the Mozart father, he became stage dad and was like, yeah. all right, let's go make some money by having my children perform for all these rich people. Holy cow. It would I take know. a while, I feel like, for a child nowadays, even if they were like super good before they were like playing before anyone really important i know so i don't know though but he just set up the concert and he was they were on it so at that performance here's a quote from an eyewitness of the event that we still have where it says the poor little fellow plays marvelously which is referring to wolfgang mozart he is a child of spirit lively and charming his sister's playing is masterly and he the prince applauded her so this is just to say Mm. that as far as performing they were equal and even maybe to some that she was better i mean she was also older but um you know they were definitely a duo and um people you know thought of her as such anyways so after that though is when they started touring more where they essentially would be the father and Mozart well Leopold Wolfgang and Maria they would go on tours together so there's a couple like quotes that I was able to find a lot of the their correspondence via letters has actually was actually preserved and um, that's kind of why we have so many quotes and like know so much about the dynamic of this family Mm -hmm. so here's a quote from this is in 1763 so and the father wrote to a friend he said we played a concert on the 18th which was great everyone was amazed thank god we are healthy and wherever we go much admired as for little wolfgang gangrel <laughs> excuse me wolfgang he's astonished astonishingly happy but also naughty little nanurl is no longer in his shadow and she plays with such skill that the world talks of her and marvels at her so you know, just another quote here that shows that, like, she was really good. Also, yeah. I forgot to mention that a nickname of hers is Nanurl. Like, okay, I was like, they have another kid. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, That's, like, good. a pretty common nickname for her was to be referred to that. Yeah, Nanurl, I believe. Huh. I know. So, just, you know, she, Child Prodigy, was doing super well. They had a shorter tour from 1762 to 1763. Um, And then in the summer of 1763, they set out on a long tour, which they would, which would be called the Grand Tour. That -hmm. would be four years, and that would surpass 88 performances around Europe. Europe. Holy cow. I know. So, like, they just dived right in, killing it. And it kind of sounds like... Like, they performed for kings, queens, nobles, like, everyone. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely, like, 
they were kind of being showered with gifts and like people loved them and they were doing really well but like i said it was definitely as a duo yeah a couple little more little quotes here is well first i'll mention that so wolfgang though it was it was definitely an equal billing but you know wolfgang was just a bit of a star the star of the two just in the sense that he had more of that person superstar personality that kind of the audience loved but nanurl's playing was like still just highly praised and as far as like the billing went it wasn't like one was like the opener or anything like that it was definitely people came to see them both mm. so i thought that was cool yeah so were they both performing or were they performing together? They were both performing. So I imagine oh, okay. it was like they would both like take turns playing oh, okay. different sets of piano pieces. So as far though to like show that like how equal their talent was, um, there was a quote here where it said her father even said that as a 12 year old, she was the most skilled musician in all of Europe. And here's the exact quote. It says, my little girl plays the most difficult works which we have with incredible precision and so excellently. What, what it all amounts to is this, that my little girl, although she is only 12 years old, is one of the most skillful players in Europe. Wow. Yeah. Like she was very, very talented, which I said is super interesting because, I mean, obviously Mozart was very talented and, and bringing up his sister doesn't diminish what he was doing. But it is also just interesting that she was actually that good. As I mentioned, their their family had health problems a lot. And because of their poor health, there was like an instant where Mariana, um, she had a cold that ended up being a severe case of typhoid. Mm. So they their whole family had to take like four months just recovering from the sickness because her brother got sick too and and that kind of is like a reoccurring thing where you know they get sick they have to take a break and then once they're better they yeah. get back on the road but they returned home to Salzburg in November of 1766 so yeah that's they started this tour in 1763 in the summer and then returned home November 1766 after about three years a little bit over three years of them going out on tour just playing for kings and everything like that (laughs) that would be weird i know right especially that young that's what i think so crazy is like they're so young but like their schedule obviously was so demanding yeah and also like that their father was so like pushing that i think it's interesting that i feel like there's kind of a trend in the well, the the one other classical musician we've really looked at was Clara Schumann, but I think mm-hmm. it's interesting that Mozart's father and then Clara Schumann's father kind of shared that thing where, like, they had this goal to make their children these musician prodigies and to, I think, kind of exploit their children yeah. for their own financial problems. Because mm-hmm. I know that this Mozart, the Mozart family, they did have a lot of money problems, so I think his father viewed his ticket out of their financial situation as kind of exploiting his children into playing these concerts sending them out on tours and you know i think he he kind of viewed that the end of their money troubles which yeah is a little problematic i think i think so i think it's very like parallel to how a lot of child actors Mm -hmm. get started now definitely and kind of funny like seeing it in history because i think people like to look at it as like a new phenomenon yeah. And it's like, oh, no, like <laughs> this has always been a thing. Yeah. There were like stage parents clear back then. It was just. Yeah. So it, it's kind of funny to think of that and be like, oh, yeah, like Mozart got his start as like a child performer, almost like he was a performer on Disney Channel or something. You know, that's what I mean? exactly like, what yeah. I was thinking. Like his parents made him audition for the Disney Channel shows and then he transitioned to being like a big time yeah. composer. Exactly. Like it's kind of funny to see the parallels to like different things that we have going on today and how like it mm-hmm. really hasn't changed a whole lot sadly no, <laughs> no exactly yeah. I was thinking the same thing mm-hmm. and kind of going along with that though is so that after that tour they came home in 1766 and after this like Maria was getting to the point that it was like she was no longer marketable as a child prodigy because she was getting so old so she was about mm. 16, 18. And so after 1768, Wolfgang and Leopold, they toured alone and Maria Anna stayed home with her mother. Oh, okay. So part of that was because, you know, like obviously Wolfgang was still young enough that he was still the child prodigy, which was, you know, 
I think I guess maybe like drew the crowd or kind of like impressed people mm-hmm. but also Mariana she was reaching marriage age so it wasn't her father didn't really view it proper for her anymore to like pursue a a music career I guess because you know like I said it wasn't like oh wow look at this amazing child girl prodigy it was like oh it's a young women woman who's playing kind of maybe takes away yeah. that like awe factor to it because she's not young anymore and then also he was like you need to stay home and get married and she's like 15 right 15 or 16 I think it was it was between 16 and 18 years old that she was so still very young very very young yes and I think that's just kind of I think the very interesting thing about her story in particular is just the fact that there is a very key moment where something on the outside said nope like you're not allowed to pursue this anymore and just actively stopped it and you know it's just like what could have been if maybe she could have continued those tours with her brother that would suck Mm -hmm. so bad to like know that you're good at something and tour and like be showered with presents and meet like famous people for that day and age and then at one point they're just like oh sorry you're too old Mm -hmm. I know (laughs) something thing I do want to mention is the fact that um her Mozart Wolfgang and his sister, they were very close. There's a quote from one of the letters to home where Mozart says, I only wish that my sister were in Rome for this town would certainly please her. So Mm. I think it's really cool that you can see that like he definitely admired her as a musician and just as a sister. Um, He definitely looked to her and he was sad that she wasn't there anymore. But, you know, that's just kind of how it it was. Another thing that um, Wolfgang once said about kind of describing the father and the family dynamic where he says next to God comes Papa and so wow I know and the thing is is like Wolfgang he definitely rebelled from his father so Mm. and he resented his father definitely like distanced himself from that but the sister Maria she definitely lived a very devoted life to him and was very loyal to her father you know, I don't know if it was out of fear for her father or genuine love, but like it doesn't. I read something that said that like going through their correspondence, there wasn't any there's not any like specific things she said that like really gave us any clues to maybe how she was feeling internally as far as like was she resenting her father that she wasn't on tour or was she just like accepting her place or if she like secretly like wanted to say no to her father. But like she was really truly devoted to him and so because of that you know because she didn't maybe have that um, free spirit I guess it just I think it made her an easy target for her father because he knew that you know she was going to listen essentially well it makes me think about the fact that like it was so hard to be a rebellious teenager as a woman back then because Mm -hmm. like if the only rebelling you can do ends up like scorning the family name and like tarnishing you forever then like you're really kind of out of options no so exactly. it's either like be obedient and good and like resent it or maybe don't resent it but like just mm-hmm. do it because you have to mm-hmm. or like destroy your entire livelihood and make everyone hate you for the rest of your life like <laughs> there's not really a lot of options <laughs> no you're right and something just to kind of show just how obedient she was. So there was a falling out between Wolfgang and Leopold where when he, Wolfgang went out on his own around 1781 um, and Maria Anna actually took her father's side and it caused a huge division between the siblings. And even after the father ended up passing away, that breach between the once close siblings never really fully healed. Aww. And so... And, and it remained that way until um, Wolfgang passed away. So that just kind of shows how devoted to her father that she was to the point that it even came between her relationship with her brother. But going back to just her general timeline, kind of going back in time for a second, her mother died in 1778. Maria Anna was now 27 at that time and took over her mother's role as like the housekeeper and honestly her father's companion. I think it's interesting that she's, you know, she had to stay home at a young age to find a husband, but she's still not married at the age of 27. And I think 
something that I kind of read a lot was just kind of that the father's emotional needs kind of took the center of everyone's life. Yeah. So I wonder if kind of maybe there was like this, like, no, you're my daughter. And now that the wife was dead, it was like, I need someone to control. I need someone to be in my life and provide me companionship. So he, I think he was, because of that, he was maybe more reluctant to actually marry his daughter off and was kind of like, no, I'm not letting you go, which is kind of creepy. But also, maybe it just, as I said, it's, it's just a little Yeah, no, definitely. So much of it's the time period that it's, like, hard. Like, yeah. is that a normal thing to do? Like, your I wife know. dies and you're just like, okay, well, my daughter can't get married because I need someone to, like, take care of me. I don't know. Okay. But, no, you wonder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, there is something that where she did fall in love with a man, but they never got married one of like the pop no one really knows why they didn't get married um but a popular reason is because that um the father stopped it and he didn't approve of it or or another thing is that he just preferred having mineral home at his home as the lady of his house after losing his wife Mm -hmm. and and i also mentioned that wolfgang mozart he distanced himself from the family so i wonder if maybe he was like no i don't have anyone else and so he kind of latched onto his daughter and like and like I said, almost like sabotaged her relationships and stopped yeah. her from being married. No, that sucks. I know. That's a little bit of like speculation because we don't really know for sure. But like I said, I think that's kind of like what people assume mm-hmm. No, so. it sounds about right. Exactly. It doesn't, I mean, what we know about her doesn't really <laughs> come across as a huge surprise. Yeah. Okay. So, but then though she did end up getting married in 1783, she married Johann Baptiste Franz von Berchtold zu Sonnenberg. Whoa, that's a name. I don't know if I said any of that right. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but, and she married him when she was 33, which is, you know, unusually late for yeah. that time period. And um, I do know that that man, he was like, I think twice widowed and had five children from previous marriages. Gosh. So, I know. So just he was very... probably like pretty old. Old. Yeah. I imagine it was pretty old. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, she married him in 1783. And then in 1785, she gave birth to her first child. But an interesting thing that when she returned to wherever she was living with her husband, um, her baby, which she named Leopold after her father, actually stayed with his grandfather. And, and I think the reason why is because, well, for one thing, the father wanted him to stay. And... And I think it just kind of shows the control that the father had over her life. And I think he kind of was thinking like, oh, this is my one last chance of like creating a child prodigy and like creating a career for this little one. Oh, and gosh. So the the baby stayed with him. But I do know that her father did die just like two years later, I believe. Okay. And after he died, she, you know, the baby was returned back to Rihanna. So just interesting that's so weird maria anna she was widowed in 1801 and after that she moved her three children back to salzburg where she essentially just spent the final decades of her life music did remain an important part of her life of course and she helped support the family by giving music lessons so i think that's cool that she continued to do that yeah so in Later in her life, in the 1820s, she met her nephew, which is her brother Wolfgang's son. And something that I think is really interesting is that she played a very key role in kind of, what's the word? Like, the quote that I actually saw here was, she played an active role as the guardian of family members and memories, excuse me, including a treasure trove of family correspondence that memor- me- memorial- memorialized how close they had all once been. So she kept all those letters, kept the correspondence. And when she met her nephew, I know she gave those over to him. And I think that played such a huge key role. And like I said, what we know about the Mozarts and that yeah. family dynamic. And I just think that's really interesting that, um, you know, she played such a key role in that. So, and then by 1825, her health definitely declined. She did live a long life. She was says she was blind, mostly deaf and bedridden. And then, and it kind of says too that that year her nephew brought some admirers to visit her and the visitors kind of marveled that this woman who had once been so applauded by the kings and queens and everyone was now so alone. 
So that makes me sad. Yeah. That after everything, she ended up kind of dying alone. I don't know what happened to her three children. I don't know if like she stayed close to them, but um, yeah. So kind of sad. Wow. And then in 1829 in October, she passed away and is now buried in Salzburg in the St. Peter's Cemetery. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. Okay, so this this episode is a little bit sad and it talks about very sad, wasted, not wasted, lost potential. So what I wanted to shout out today was just different organizations that exist now that I think are doing a really cool job at promoting women and the arts. So one that I've actually recently found is called She Is The Music. That's their Instagram title and their name of their organization, where essentially it's just a community all about supporting women in the arts or specifically women in music, women producers, women songwriters and things like that. So I would recommend you follow them. I think it's cool that they like provide like live workshops for women artists, um, whether that's like just on YouTube or Instagram, like they have a lot of free content, which I think is really cool too. I think it makes it a little bit more accessible. So you don't always have to pay, which obviously there is benefit to paying for workshops, but I think it's really cool that they also offer free information and, you know, things like that. But I'd recommend you follow them. I recently have, and I really love just the information that's there. It's all about, like I said, women in the music world and in the music scene, writers, producers, things like that. So love what they're doing. Definitely would recommend you give them a follow. Yeah, this is awesome. If anything, it's also just like a great way to keep updated on like the women and music that are succeeding because too often like mainstream media doesn't keep track of that. This is like off topic, but what award is coming up for music? Yeah, American Music Awards? Yes the AMAs, how after all of the songs that have come out by women this year that have been like top of the charts, top of the charts, top of the charts, like even a part of mass culture, like Mm -hmm. Doja Cat, Lizzo, everyone, the only one nominated was Taylor Swift, which like is amazing, but like really she's the only female nominated for the entire year. Yeah. The, so yeah, the American music awards released their artist of the year nominations let me just read them because that definitely yeah brought it up this conversation Mm -hmm. again I know this is like a little detour from like our spotlights but I think it's important so a little muse news for (laughs) y'all yeah okay so yeah (laughs) artist of the year Justin Bieber Post Malone Roddy Rich Taylor Swift and The Weeknd Mm -hmm. now The Weeknd did have a very successful song that I think remained in the top five. I think it broke a record. So I don't even know what song it is. It's the Blinding Lights one. It's huge on TikTok. Okay. okay. Yeah, I guess. So I I can understand that one. I can't understand Taylor Swift. Roddy Rich. Yeah, I know he had a really big song, a couple big songs. But Post Malone and Justin Bieber. Yeah. I just, I don't know if they are artist of the years no like i would definitely say no on justin bieber because if anything his song was memed more than it was enjoyed the yummy one yeah yeah i agree i mean he did release a good album his most recent singles have been doing really well and i really like them but the only one i heard about was yummy and like no one really liked it so yeah I don't know I wouldn't say artist of the year at I all I mean he's had a good year I mean there's been a couple songs that like have done really well but like like you mentioned like there's like Megan The Stallion Doja yeah. Cat huge I feel women. like Doja Cat's been everywhere, everywhere this year uh-huh I mean not even like Cardi B too like I don't yeah. know I feel like if you're gonna put Post Malone like Cardi B I don't right? know. I don't think Post Malone has really released anything even new this year, which is... I couldn't name a single thing. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I know that I'm like, I like Post Malone. I'm not a, like, I'm not a huge fan. I like him, but I'm like, and I know he's done well this year, but like, has he even put out new music? I thought his music came out, his album came out in 2019. Yeah, it just seems really ignorant because it's like, <laughs> with everything that's going on, yes, I definitely believe Taylor Swift deserves to be there. Uh But at the same time, it's just kind of like, okay, but there was a few other people that I feel like you missed. Yeah. (laughs) That I think could have been recognized over a couple others. But 
definitely maybe even so. honestly like skip taylor swift i love taylor swift but like let's give the recognition to like i don't know i agree with you i, I was do little... not feel like doja cat is getting as much attention as she should yeah she's every- I, you're right she's everywhere she's everywhere but like i haven't seen like anything <laughs> really it's just i yeah i was not really happy with that nomination list she did get a nomination for new artist of the year which is good yeah so vote for taylor swift because <laughs> <laughs> doja cat did get i'm looking through the nominations now it looks like that so she got for new artist of the year was lewis capaldi doja cat da baby lil baby roddy rich and megan the stallion or megan the okay. stallion sorry i don't know that's good <laughs> viva viva yeah i feel like it's the for favorite music video doja cop doja cat got it for say so Drake, okay. okay lady gaga and ariana grande taylor swift cardigan and then the weekend for blinding lights so i feel like some people yeah favorite theme i was just surprised that you know dua lipa i feel uh-huh. like i love her new album i don't think i know it got released right during um quarantine like right at the very beginning which i think probably caused it not to do well but her new album is so good like i think it's one of the best pop albums to come out in like recent years just like solid pop music but i don't feel like it got the recognition it deserved and i don't know if maybe like just pop music in general isn't just like what maybe just not what people want to listen to right now but like it's a solid pop album. So Yeah, this is so lame, but like all of the Dua Lipa songs I know, I know from TikTok. <laughs> Honestly, like that's pretty much what I know anything from Doja Cat from is yet to Yeah, I so. know. It was like as we gauge who was artist of the year off of who had how many TikTok songs. <laughs> well, back to the Instagram spotlights. <laughs> In a similar thread, I wanted to... Um, shout out an organization I work with. I talked about them in the first episode, but I think they deserve a proper shout out. I work with a nonprofit called um, Women's Ally, which stands for Women's Artistic Leadership Initiative. And it was started by five sisters here in Utah who all kind of went into the arts in some way or the other. And the founder is actually a female conductor named Stephanie. And if you know anything about more of the classical music scene, female conductors are very rare. Um, it's not a very common thing <laughs> to see a female conductor. And she's even mentioned on a few occasions that she still goes to orchestras where she's the first female that has conducted some of those people. Wow. And that it's crazy that that's still happening. But the focus of the organization is to help um, women in the arts develop leadership skills that too often are not given to women early on in life because of just inherent sexism (laughs) that still exists and I've learned a lot from it I've learned about how like just how men and women are like treated and viewed even from a very early age and how that changes a lot of the ways that we do things um, women apologize like a million times more than men, especially yeah. in business settings and just like a whole bunch of stuff. And so the whole point of that is to like counteract that, to take young women who are in the arts and help give them negotiation skills and finance skills and leadership abilities and networking skills and help them learn how to be better leaders so that they can go on and succeed in those leadership positions in the arts that are too often filled with men. Mm-hmm. So I really believe in what they're doing. I love the organization. They have like a summer leadership intensive every year um, where you can go and like, it's basically like a two or three day seminar of um, listening to different experts and professionals mm-hmm. and learning from them. And then also they're doing like a fall benefit to fundraise money this year and so it'll be like an instagram auction and then like a zoomed in performance from a lot of the girls that have been a part of it and it's free so i mean the auction isn't you have to bid on things but the performance is free so if you want to check that out then definitely do i do all their graphic design and i really love them so 
Yeah, their Instagram account is just womens.artistic.leadership. All right, now back to the show. So just like a very interesting life. And like I said, there's a very key moment where um, her music career did get cut. And that's not to say that like she she did keep doing music. And that is very clear that she did it just almost like for her own personal love for it. But yeah. it definitely, you know, wasn't in that professional setting and it was just very abruptly cut short and I also think it's too sad because like I said it's pretty obvious that the relationship she had with her father wasn't very healthy and he definitely exploited her and her brother and I think really just like wanted to control her life and it's sad that that obviously paid played a huge role in how her life ended up going so just really interesting but there's a couple questions that she brings up, um, almost like the a controversy where, so there's an article that I read from the Smith Smithsonian Magazine written by Elizabeth Roosh. And she actually wrote a children's story about Nanerl Mozart, which is actually the very first nonfiction book in English about her. And it's called For the Love of Mozart, The Remarkable Story of Maria Anna Mozart, hmm. which I think it's cool. It's a children's story that she wrote. And like I said, it's the only like nonfiction English book that's about her. I know there's like a biography, but it's in German. So, oh, yeah, you can't. I would have loved to read that. But <laughs> alas, <laughs> I have to learn German. But anyways, in this article, she kind of talks about like, so the question is asked, like, as one of Woking's earliest musical role models does history owe her some measure of credit for his genius and there's a couple quotes here where it kind of like just from different scholars that just kind of like answer that question Mm -hmm. and like one some of them one says like I'm not sure there is evidence that the dynamic was in any way exceptional beyond what you might think between one relatively talented musician and one who out far outshines the other and then Someone who, the person who wrote the German biography about Nenerl says, that's a very interesting question. I've never really considered that possibility and I don't know if anyone has before. Mm-hmm. So just an interesting thing to bring up, but to counter it, there are some people where they might think that, which I, and I really like this idea. It says no musicians develop their art in a vacuum. Musicians learn yeah. by watching other musicians, by being an apprentice formally or informally. Being in a musical family with a musical sibling in particular can heighten one's musical interests, expertise, or musical drive, which I think is very true. Like just the nature of like how siblings get along and like the competitiveness. And like, I feel like if you see an older sibling doing something that makes you more inclined to do it too, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, isn't to take away or give credit. I just think it's, you know, it's an interesting thing that it's no doubt how much Mozart admired his sister. Like yeah, it's definitely. so clear in the correspondence that they were very close. He really looked up to her. And so while, you know, I don't want to create a story that's not there per se and say like, oh, like Maria Anna is the reason why, um, mm-hmm. you know, Mozart is who he is. Because obviously, you know, I'm not going to discredit one of like the most famous music <laughs> yeah. composers of all time. But it is interesting to think of like, you know, maybe what could have been if maybe she wasn't there and would it still be the same or, you know, I don't know. It's just interesting to wonder what she actually contributed. No, that's a really interesting question. It's even making me like think about a lot of the people we've talked about. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it was like Artemisia, her dad owed her genius because he's the Mm -hmm. one who taught her or like Clara, does her dad own hers? And so it's kind of like, oh, I don't know if... I would agree. I would say, like, I think it's important to realize that a lot of factors play an influence. And it's not just like, oh, yeah, you're born like a talented, world-renowned musician. I think it's more of, like, she deserves to be credited with her own genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. And I think, I think the idea of, like, oh, like, can we thank her for Mozart's genius – for my opinion, I think it's writing a story that's not there in the yeah. attempt to try to like elevate her, which I mean, we kind of talked about this before with like women artists. Like I think a danger is like making stories that aren't really there or like bringing mm-hmm. focus to things that don't need to be almost to try and like make up for the fact that they weren't talked about. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, it diminishes who she really was. And like I said, it writes a story yeah. that might not even be true. 
Yeah, so, I think honestly, like the guy who talked about comparing like one musician to one that was like much better, that's the problem. Is that looking at it and being like, yes, Mozart was much better than her, but look at like the fact that he was able to continue and she couldn't. And that's not to say that like she wasn't just as good as Mozart. Mozart. It's to say like she didn't have the ability to show that she could be as good as Mozart. And that's the problem. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. It's kind of like the middle ground where I don't really agree with the one quote where it's like, well, there's one relatively talented musician and one who far outshines the other because yeah. that's just not don't true. Don't agree with that either. Yeah. And also too, like, it's just not true with like the different quotes you could see where it's like, obviously he, I think had more of that superstar presence that people were drawn to in a performer. Mm-hmm. But as far as like actual musical talent, that they were actually very equal. She was, a, it's not like she wasn't able to play the pieces that he wasn't able to. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly like, you know, it's not like that, but I don't think we can be like, Oh, well, if it wasn't for her, Mozart would have been who he was. Yeah. Because- no, like if anything, that goes back to the dad, like even if she wouldn't have existed, the dad would have done the exact same thing with Mozart that he did. So, yeah, I agree. Another something, though, interesting, though, as far as what her musical contributions were or um, what she did personally. So we don't have any com- compositions of her that have been saved. However, we do know that she did start composing when that very first tour that her dad went out of town you know went with her mm-hmm. her brother that very first time and we know that she sent him at least one of her pieces because we have a reply from Wolfgang back to her sister about her composition that says my dear sister I am in awe that you can compose so well in a word the song you wrote is beautiful so she wow. was composing and mm-hmm. you know I don't think that I, I don't think that, you know, Mozart was just, like, saying that to say no. it. Like, he respected his sister. He revered her. It seems like he, you know, definitely understood that she was, like, a very equal person in this and respected her talent. And that's what he had to say about a composition that she sent to him. Yeah. So, she was composing and she was doing real good. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is such a sad story to me <laughs> because it's like we're looking at a female artist who by all accounts should have had every single opportunity to be in the history books. Like her brother is Mozart. Like what? Like Mozart. <laughs> yeah. Like I that's know. not just like a casual name on the list. That's like one of the musicians that everyone no, knows. I feel like it's like Mozart and Beethoven are like the yeah. most iconic classical composers exactly. that like everyone knows who what those people yeah. are and who those names are. And so it's literally looking at it and it's like, okay, well, why isn't she there? And it's like, oh, sexism. Like that's yeah. really the only thing I can think of because it's like, oh, you had to stay home and pretend mm-hmm. that your dad was going to let you get married and then your brother could go off and do whatever the heck he wanted and become like one of the world's best known and like longest standing famous musicians. Mm-hmm. No, I know. And it's also sad too because like I mentioned like I think part of the reason why maybe Mozart could be so re- remembered is cuz he definitely had that like rebellious spirit whereas mm-hmm. she was just so devoted. And so not to like fault her of course because you know obviously she was she was a product of her time period yeah definitely. and I and it's hard too because like I don't want to like I said I don't want to rewrite her story and rewrite who she was because the truth is we have no evidence that she was even bitter you know I think Mm -hmm. she just kind of accepted her her role and accepted where she was but it's but that almost like makes it even more sad it does like if you don't even know that what's happening to you is bad or wrong then like can Mm -hmm. we fault you for just being okay with it yeah like that's honestly like a really graceful way to handle a situation that's just Mm -hmm. that just really lame yeah to just be like well this is the time period that I'm in and this is how I'll live my life like the best that I can no exactly however though there is some evidence that Maybe she was some type of a collaborator with her brother. There was like one instance where their mother told them to be quiet. Like they said they have to be quiet and that they couldn't play their instruments. I think it's because she wasn't feeling well. And so Maria Anna gathered some parchment and a quill and she wrote down Wolfgang's first symphony. Hmm. So and decades later, um, 
she recalled the incident, remembering that he had said, like, remind me to give something good to the horns. So basically what happened, it sounds like he had all the music in his head and she notated it and she dictated it and put it out. Yeah. I mean, who knows how much maybe that kind of was a collaboration, you know, where she was like arranging the parts or maybe she was just strictly putting what was in his head onto the paper. We have no way of knowing that, but it just kind of shows how much she actually trusted her as a musician Mm -hmm. where, you know, she was the one who was writing out the parts. There's also kind of some thought where in the compositions in Mozart's like piano, like the books that they learned to teach piano um, or learn piano, excuse me. There's some like small compositions that, you know, he would have been too young maybe. So it's possible that those could have been hers um, at a young age, but like there's not really a way of, yeah. you know, knowing for sure. Just but so much speculation because you can't tell. Yeah, It's speculation, but I think there's enough evidence to at least show that, like, her musicianship was very well respected by her brother and also just, like, you know, she did have some talent and some composition talent, even though none of those pieces have survived and we just don't really know what that sounded like. I know there's, like, kind of the myth that, like, Mozart took some of his sister's work and passed it off as his his own because like he recognized that like there wasn't really any way to get that out I don't know if that's true because I know they did have an estranged relationship Mm. later in his life and also there's just no proof of it I don't think yeah if there is any proof and I don't know definitely send it over but in my research I couldn't really find anything that proved it I kind of think maybe that's like wishful thinking and maybe like you know projecting what we want to have happened but you know I don't know there's just no there's just no way of showing but kind of going along with that too I I think she's kind of turned into a little bit of a romanticized myth because mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's not a lot of like just nonfiction information like I said I think the only English nonfiction book about her is that children's story but yeah there are movies, there's there's novels, historical novels about her, and there's actually even a play that was written. It's a one-woman show called The Other Mozart, and hmm. it's it seems really interesting and that the writer of that play did tons of research and like really tried to dive in who she was, and it seems really interesting and really cool. But, um, you know, she, like I said, she's kind of become this, like, myth, I think, of, like, and almost, like, this, like, tragedy of, like, what could have been that we just don't know. And I don't know. Like I said, I think there's, like, that danger of, like, you don't want to rewrite history, but also it's also important to acknowledge that, like, she existed and, like, there were obvious barriers that stopped her from reaching her full potential. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this definitely hits on, like, the little... Ah, problem with like women in the arts and like or just women throughout history even and just trying to figure out that balance of like (laughs) not going too far into like the unknown but like still making sure that we acknowledge that they were there that's what I think's kind of sad about her is it really does that one more thing that I think is really cool about her is that So Mozart gained more fame in the period after his death. He wasn't so much famous. I mean, obviously, as a child prodigy on his tours, he definitely was, you know, definitely was revered and things like that. But Mm -hmm. um, he gained he was more famous after he died. And I wonder how much of that maybe actually could have been the responsibility of his sister and because of his sister because she really tried to continue his legacy um you know like i mentioned she held on to all those like family treasures and family correspondence and she you know kept those safe and was able to pass those on to her nephew and i know that with that too there were it also mentioned there's some concertos and pieces that she preserved that we have now because she kept them of her brother's compositions so she played, I think, a very key role in making sure his legacy did live on and that we do have such a window into her family life. So mm-hmm. I think it's it kind of goes back to that, like, she did the work to make sure her family was remembered. And then as payback, history didn't really remember her. Yeah, that think- happens all the time. Something I, I was reading a play. I mean, excuse me. <laughs> I was reading an article that was actually written by the woman who wrote the play, the other mm-hmm. Mozart. And the thing that started her on this trajectory of 
learning about her and wanting to know more was in Salzburg in Austria, there is essentially like the museum, which I believe is the original, um, which was the apartment that the Mozarts lived in. And in that, one of the very last things that you see is a family portrait of of them. And something that she brought up was, you know, she noticed that there was a woman in the family portrait, but not only was she in it, but she was also seated at the piano like her brother was. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, you know, it was him being the center of attention. Like they were both playing at the piano and they were both like almost like equal partners in that painting. And so because of that, like that got her interested interested because it was like this family portrait it portrays them as equal when it comes to the piano and yet history only remembers one of them and I love looking at that family portrait of them um because it just it seems so interesting of just like yeah like they're both there they're both seated equally on the piano bench their father is you know to the right of them and there's a portrait of their of their mother so I believe that this was done after she had passed Mm -hmm. away so, you know, I just think that's just really cool to see. No, I, I love that. I, yeah, that's crazy. And I love hearing that from her perspective, being like, okay, that's Mozart. Who's the girl next to him that's also yeah. at the piano, you know? Uh-huh. And I think she said too, like that, it was almost like the afterthought of the whole tour and of the thing where like, I don't think there was tons of mention of her throughout it. But then as she was leaving, she saw that and she was like, wait a minute. And I think it's cool too because she was like a I think she said she was a professional I think she was a violin player or a keyboard player and growing up her teachers would call her little Mozart and she had no idea though that there was a Miss Mozart you know yeah and so it was so there was a you know a Mozart woman that she could um portray and look up to I guess and and so because of that she ended up producing that play which I think is really cool I I know that like I mean it's obviously fiction but they did do tons of look into the you know the, the letters that we that we have of them and mm-hmm. I don't know I think that's just super cool I that's would love really to see cool. that no that's amazing and like so sad like I'm just like oh man <laughs> I know I would love to know like when I die and I'm in heaven, like now I have it added to the list of like things I'll ask God is like, can I hear one of Maria Anna Mozart's compositions? Yeah. Like, I just want to know what that sounds like and hear what that was because, oh, man. you know, nothing's lived on. Mm-hmm. You wonder why she didn't preserve them more, especially when, you know, she preserved all those letters. But it makes me think back to Clara and just kind of like how she was like, well, no woman's ever composed. So like, why should I bother? Kind of, you know, like, why should I think that I'm the one who can? And yeah, it's like, why didn't she save her music? And it's like, honestly, probably because she didn't think it was worth it. Like, she's probably just like, well, whatever. Like, it's just like a little song I wrote. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so sad. It's just really sad because it's yeah. like, oh, like she could have been. But like. Yeah, it's just interesting to know that like the I I would say like maybe not the most, but if not, you know, beyond Beethoven, mm-hmm. the most famous composer of all time. And he had a sister that was just as a capable musician as he was that. Yeah, it was. And said that there's not obviously there's tons of information about her brother out there. Oh, tons, tons. I feel like you hear about Mozart almost from the moment you're born. Yeah. Like, yeah. even if you don't know a lot about his life, like... You've at you least know, heard some of the music. And guaranteed. you know just at least what or who Mozart is. Like, you know that name. Yeah, because don't they have, like, the little, like... <laughs> the little baby Einstein Yeah, that's what I was you? just thinking. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, like, we got him when my little brother was born, and I was, like, four and a half. But I would mm-hmm. sit and watch them with him. And it's like classical music compositions. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was mainly Beethoven and Mozart. Yeah. So I think it was. Yeah. Like that's how young you're exposed to Mozart. And then it took me until now <laughs> to hear about his sister. <laughs> so yeah, that just goes to show like how much she's been kind of left out of the story. Exactly. But, you know, it sounds like she was just a very interesting character you know it's sad that like her father definitely ruled her life as you know as such a 
I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure, but it, to me, I think there's like very emotional abuse and like manipulation that seems, mm-hmm. seems, I don't feel like I'm stretching too far to make that assumption, but I don't know for sure. But from what I can read and what I've gathered, doesn't sound like that's a healthy relationship. And of course, you know, that can play an effect on someone's mental well-being or like their ability to like, you know, break free of that, which is something to acknowledge. But, you know, I don't know. It's just sad. But also it was cool learning about her and, um, you know, seeing, I guess, just what there was to know. And yeah, no, I'm really glad that you talked about her because it's important to like remember that she was there and existed and like at one point in time was just as good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it's also too though, because even though she didn't pursue it though, it does show that her, the rest of her life there was like, she was just composing on her own just cause she mm-hmm. wanted to, or she was teaching music and she continued to play. And I think, I don't think I mentioned this, but Mozart would send her pieces. And even after their relationship was estranged, she would write him and, ask him for pieces for him to send her so that she could play them and oh cool until the day like you know for as long as she could music still played an active part of her life and Mm -hmm. it was definitely something she was passionate about wasn't something sounds like she shared but you know shared with the world but she did still do it and she did still love it which i do think is still cool no it's very cool she just did it because she loved it which Mm -hmm. goes back to that children's story which the title is for the love of music which is kind of like she just did it because she loved it even after she couldn't pursue it but I know kind of sad (laughs) yeah like a a very beautiful story but like kind of a bittersweet one at the same time because then it's like oh she just loved it so much and then it's like ah why didn't you just let her keep playing I know (laughs) like why couldn't you've just like ditched your father and said screw you I'm doing this but also that's a very hard thing for a person to do so and it just was not set up in the time period at all yeah even less so but anyways that's maria anna mozart if you want to you know learn more about her there's not tons of non-fiction stuff that smithsonian article was really interesting you know there's a play about her there's movies novels it's fun so if you want to there's lots to to get out there actually about her so i thought that was cool wow that yeah I'm just so hung up on it now. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> it's kind of depressing. It is a little bit, yeah. But I'm glad that, like, we know the little bits we do know in order to be able to remember her at least a little, even if we can't remember her more fully because we don't know as much. <laughs> and also we can appreciate her just because of the fact that because of her, I think we do know so much about her brother and their family dynamic. So at the very least, she definitely did that. And I think that's cool that she recognized how talented her brother was and like made that a point. You know what I just thought about? The fact that like over and over again in these stories, we've covered the fact that the women were keeping records and like keeping the letters and like Clara making sure her husband's music is remembered. And then we talked about like briefly how like Hamilton owed it to his wife Eliza for making sure he was remembered and it's just like all of these women were the record keepers and yet the history books were all written by men and decided to like write them out of it Mm -hmm. and just like how lame that is even as a whole that like history was kept by women and then was written down by men who decided to like leave them out (laughs) no I know it is sad I thought about that too Mm -hmm. it's and it's interesting how these stories Because, I mean, obviously, like, Clara, she was, I think, like, 50 years after. Clara was born in the 1800s. So she was was born in, like, the time, the musical time period right after. So it's at least cool to see that, like, obviously there was some progression in the culture from the time that um, Maria Anna was born and Clara was. But also it shows i think it's interesting that even though they weren't exactly in the same time period per se different centuries they were both born um there's those parallels which yeah is interesting and sad oh i think it probably will be found more often than we'd like i know that's what i was wondering i was like i wonder if we're going to continue to see these trends with the more people that we learn about and see probably <laughs> well thank you so much for tuning in this week i hope you learned a lot as usual 
You can find us on Instagram at morethanamuse.podcast, or if you have any recommendations or want to reach out to us, um, you can also email in, which is just at morethanamusepodcast at gmail.com. You know, we're just so happy you're here. Hope that you're enjoying learning more about women in the arts, and we will see you next week. Heat pumps are going mainstream with tax credits of up to $2,000. The Federal Inflation Reduction Act can make it more affordable than ever to upgrade your HVAC system and lower your energy bills. Now's the time to say goodbye to your old-fashioned fossil fuel burning system and switch to an all-electric, all-climate heat pump from Mitsubishi Electric. Learn more about Mitsubishi Electric products at PatriotAir.com. Federal income tax credit available to U.S. homeowners only for qualifying heat pump models. Terms and conditions for tax credit are dependent on federal and state laws and regulations and are subject to change. Contact your tax advisor for further requirements and to confirm eligibility for tax credits. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.